0: Touchstone Pictures. They're coming. He gave his life to the sea. What the hell is that? His heart to his shipmates. Ah!
1: And his soul. Come on over here, honey. To adventure. These pipes are clean. Where his brain ended up is anybody's
0: guess. Chris Elliott. Were you dropped on your head as a toddler?
1: Cabin Boy.
0: When I return, I shall be a cabin man.
1: Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, January 7th.
0: You like it a juice? I like it a juice. Actually, I didn't really like this juice. I just I opened a can and I was looking at that as the juice and not the thing I always do where I make the movie the metaphor for the juice. I like my Diet Pepsi juice. Didn't like Cabin Boy juice.
1: Okay, good. I I was kind of worried this was going to be like a Monkey Bone where you would be like,
0: I, The visuals! <laughs> to be fair, I did like the stuff that I liked about Monkey Bone. I also like kind of liked about this movie. That's basically all I liked about this movie.
1: Uh, yeah, this, this movie uh, was not good. Uh, I Welcome to Saturday Night Jive. This is where we talk about Saturday Night Live and Saturday Night Live-related movies. Uh, this week, we watched Cabin Boy starring season 20 SNL all-star Chris Elliott. He was only on one season. Uh, that season was critically derided, much as his movie from 1994 Cabin Boy was critically derided and a huge commercial failure. Yeah, and you can I mean I'm a huge Chris Elliott fan, but like almost instantly watching this movie,
0: you can go, "Oh, I see why this failed." I was going to ask you that because like I, I as I was watching this movie, I was thinking like, "Was is there a universe where he he did a different movie and then he had a different career?" Like I feel like this kind of killed his momentum, and like he could have had like a Ben Stiller kind of career, like an auteur comedian director.
1: Oh yeah, what well, did you do it? Uh, did you uh, look in on any of the backstory of this? I mean, just
0: uh, like the Tim Burton stuff and, and like that, but yeah, not really beyond that.
1: Yeah, the the making of the or the production history of this film is much more interesting than the movie. There's actually a uh, a video on YouTube I watched after I watched the film where they did, like, a Q&A, Chris Elliott and Adam Resnick, on the 25th anniversary, where I guess they showed the movie and then they came up on stage afterwards and talked about it. Uh, and that hour-long conversation was way more entertaining than the film Cabin Boy was.
0: I mean, are they circumspect about it? Like, do they kind of recognize that it's kind of shitty? Well, it, it,
1: the, like I said, the production history of it. So let's, uh, let's talk about that before we talk about anything in the actual movie. Cabin Boy... Is all Tim Burton's fault. Uh, this was Tim Burton called up Chris Elliott and said, "I'm a big fan of yours. I just got done doing Batman Returns. I want to do something more small scale, kind of like Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and I want to do it with you." So Chris Elliott and Adam Resnick got together and they wrote the script, and they put in all of these weird, like creatures and shit, and like bizarre imagery because they were like, "Well, this is what Tim Burton would like." And then. Uh, once production time came, Tim Burton left to do Ed Wood. He stayed on as a producer. Basically said, "Hey Adam, why don't you direct it?" Guys never directed a movie before. He's like, "I'm pretty sure I'm wrong for it, but yeah, sure, let's do it." They didn't change the script at all. So, and they uh, in that interview they said, "Yeah, if we were making a Chris Elliott movie, it would not have been Cabin Boy." Well,
0: and and the Tim Burtonness of it makes sense. Based on, like, like Adam Resnick and, and Chris Elliott both worked together on, on Get a Life. And just the the weird off-kilterness of that. I remember, there, I mean, there were a lot of episodes that, like, if you told me Tim Burton directed the one with, like, the alien baby and shit, like, I would believe you, you know? Like, I feel like their sensibilities would have worked well together. And I could see a universe where even this story, directed by Tim Burton, with, you know, might have worked. I feel like it's all the execution is the problem here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe. I could see this working if Tim Burton directed it. Because I think the main problem with this movie is it it seems so amateurish. <laughs> like, this movie should not have been released in
0: theaters. You get that. I mean, just the ship set. It's, the, I mean, and I know, you. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a set. They're not on a ship and on the sea in this movie. And you know that. But it's like, I've never had something take me out of a movie as much as that of how much that feels like a set and not a, an actual ship. See,
1: I almost kind of like that. If the movie had more of a, like, like a, like a Ray Harryhausen type feel, where it's, you know, I
0: think... Well, that's clearly part what it's of the going joke, for.
1: Yeah, and I think they were playing with some of the stuff was is supposed to look cheap and chintzy, but then there's other things that I don't think should look cheap and chintzy but are cheap and chintzy because the budget was also slashed this was originally supposed to be a 50 million dollar tim burton movie once tim burton jumped ship they cut the budget to 10 million dollars and said you guys go make this well
0: because like and i don't know if it's better to know about the backstory before watching it or not i do it because i i'd watched a like a retrospective video on it i think probably like a year or so ago and but, like, the vacuum that that the Tim Burtonness of this left behind... Like, there's so many things in this movie that aren't funny, and they aren't good or interesting either, but you can think, like, oh, if this were the big-budget Tim Burton version of this, that still wouldn't be funny, but it would be, like, whimsical, and it would be interesting, like, the fighting the snow monsters, or the big heads and the, the storm heads in the sky. Like, you know, it would have a feeling of... You know, like, when you watch a Tim Burton movie it's not necessarily a fucking wacky comedy. Maybe you're laughing at some stuff, but some stuff you're just like, oh, that's really an interesting fantasy element. And it's like, all that stuff's in here, but it's not being pulled off because they just, they have no, they have no deft hand for fantasy.
1: Yeah. I I don't like, I don't want to say the movie's like a huge failure. (laughs)
0: I think all the all the stuff that's clearly Tim Burton-Y is a huge failure. All the, the high fantasy shit, all the stuff that isn't Chris Elliot trying to be wacky and make it funny, all that stuff sucks. When Chris Elliott's trying to make it funny, some he's succeeding about half the time, I feel like.
1: Yeah, there there were parts of this movie I enjoyed, but there for the majority of the movie it seems like, okay, this is gonna be the Chris Elliott movie, but it doesn't feel like a Chris Elliott movie. Uh, and, and that's kind of where it loses me.
0: It it feels like he's struggling to make it something every time he's on screen. And you can just tell he's like, this is like, he just doesn't have the material to work with because it wasn't, it wasn't made. I mean, it was made for him, but it wasn't made for him.
1: I know. And it's weird to watch that going like, Oh, he wrote this, but yeah, it just doesn't feel like him. It felt like, um, like true identity or something, you know, like to compare it to another movie where, uh, Uh, it was disney too disney was just like this comedian uh you know has somewhat of a following let's just make a movie and we'll plop him in it that's kind of what it feels like but then you're like wait he wrote chris elliott wrote this and it was directed by the guy who wrote a lot of get a life episodes and they're best friends so this should have been the chris elliott movie but even though they make it themselves it doesn't feel like the chris elliott movie
0: and it also just doesn't seem like a thing Chris Elliott should be that like that thing shouldn't be what Chris Elliott's doing like the the whole draw of him is his weird off kilter perspective. I mentioned you know Ben Stiller before like he's a he's a comedic actor where he has his own perspective and you know, stuff he's like Tropic Thunder, where it's like really funny and it's really him, but you could also plunk him into like fucking Along Came Polly and, you know, it still works to the extent that it, it could work at all. He's just, he can he can do that. I don't think Chris Elliott can be anything other than Chris Elliott. I don't think you can shape him or mold him into anything else that a studio might want.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. <laughs> he really shouldn't be a movie star. It's kind of fun that he got one movie, but I, I wish it was something other than this
0: have you ever seen eagle heart i've actually never sat down and watched it
1: oh that shows hilarious
0: i've always wanted to i just never got around to it
1: yeah no i've loved everything chris elliott has ever done because other than cabin we Boy. both
0: love get a life and like action family and all that shit but yeah for whatever reason i think just because I, I i'm not outside of like rick and morty i guess like a few things i'm not a big adult swim guy i've always found that that sense of humor to be usually just like shock via for the sake of shock. I guess Rick and Morty is that too, but, uh, I don't know. I've just always had kind of distaste for it and that I just lumped Eagle Heart into that.
1: No, Eagle Heart's great. Um, yeah. My first exposure to Chris Elliott was get a life dad. watched that. I was too young to get it, but I liked how silly it was sometimes, you know, like they're just, uh, the episode that I think is the best one is, uh, (laughs) when he gets, He gives everybody, he throws a party, and he gets a big bucket of uh, shellfish that he got out of some guy's trunk, and then when they eat the uh, the bad fish, they all fall under his control, and so he can hypnotize them, and he makes them do their bidding, and so they're all just dancing to Alley Cat. (laughs) And he's just having the best time. But then the spell wears off. They rip off his head and just kick it around the front yard like a soccer ball.
0: That's and yeah, that's it was the first show I remember doing shit like that where like the main character could die and then come back next week. I remember Wallet Boy was the one for me. Like at the end, he just oh, yeah. I think he just like dies and like rots away to a skeleton.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the, the last scene. He goes, well, I'm going to wait out here until you guys forgive me. And then they just time lapse where he's got the big long beard and then he's just a skeleton. And then they come out and they go, OK, we finally forgive you. And then they throw a parade for the skeleton.
0: And, you know, when you grow up, as we did, in the era of sitcoms where everything is reverting back to the you know the formula because it's a sitcom, it has to go back to the same thing every week that's mind blowing that like, no, what if we just don't do that? What if we, what if we can do whatever the fuck we want? And that was always Chris Elliott's ethos in everything. And I would argue with this as well, but the inner, that energy feels stifled in cabin boy. Like it feels like, it feels like it's there. It's just constantly being snuffed out.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I wish that, that, that interview I, of both of them together was, um, kind of fascinating but I wish they would have gotten more into like what they would have done differently in it because yeah it it seems like at some points they're they're trying to make the touchstone pictures studio comedy
0: which that's right that it was yeah I forgot that that was disney touchstone was what disney when they had a movie that they didn't want to release under disney's banner they yeah. would release it under touchstone which I don't know if there's an equivalent to that maybe maybe that's what they're using fox for now but
1: uh, I think touchstone still exists. oh is it I thought it was gone yeah, well, and then they bought Miramax too. So yeah, they have a bunch of different subsidiaries. But yeah, in the '90s, it was like Disney owned. You know, there were Disney movies, and then there were Touchstone movies, which were Disney movies, but like, you know, they weren't gonna say, hey. there was never gonna be a, a cabin boy ride at Disneyland."
0: Well, like I think uh, Powder, for example, was like a Touchstone movie. You know, they, like we we hired a pedophile to make this drama about an electrical boy. We're not gonna put Disney's name on that.
1: Yeah, we don't want Mickey Mouse ears connected to that.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is Touchstone. And I mean, yeah. It, but the weird thing is like the Disney aspect of it. I, I, the the pull of Disney and Tim Burton on this movie. And again, I don't know how much of it is real and how much of that. I'm just reading into that because it, it like it doesn't feel like as dirty as it should be or as as absurd as it should be. It feels like well like okay well you you already making it touchstone it's not Disney it, you're just paying for it let them be a little crazier but it still feels like they're like we're, we're making a Disney movie you know you can't you can't be too raunchy or weird until they until yeah. he fucks it, the weird blue lady and then all of a sudden it's like a Fairley Brothers movie I know there's like weird there's so much weird shit in this movie but yeah none of it really worked
1: for me uh, I didn't hate it I just, but I was just kind of like. It passed over me. It's also like an hour and 20 minutes and just fucking ends. The ending of this movie just bummed me the fuck out.
0: Well, it's amazing how interesting it is. You you joked about the interesting visuals and just the shit that's going on, like on paper, like they're having this crazy adventure. It almost feels like, like a Terry Gilliam movie, like a Time Bandits kind of thing in terms of like it's episode, weird episodic fantasy adventures and how boring and mediocre it is as you watch it. Like it's like this I, at every point. I'm like, I'm, I'm seeing fucking the 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 psychiatrist from Twin Peaks. He's a half shark man. Why am I not more interested in this?
1: I know it's it's hard to put your finger on why it doesn't work because it,
0: it really should.
1: It just yeah, it just doesn't. It just kind of lays there.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and I, I mean, I don't know how much more you even have to talk about it. I have very little to talk about because like I. There was stuff that I remembered about the movie because I watched it when I was a kid, and I think I had mostly fond memories of it because I think the fantasy stuff was enough for me, and pro- I probably didn't even understand like, oh yeah, the, him and the lady are fucking at the end, or like all the like the the, the somewhat dirty stuff. I probably did probably went over my head, and I just remembered oh the crazy ice monsters and shit, and yeah, I just I don't know, man. It, it it's just it this that bummed me out. It was like kicking kid me right in the face.
1: Yeah, well, and then there's, yeah, there's stuff like the the ice the ice monster is straight out of Harryhausen. Um, the Mike Starr as a giant coming after them because he fucked the Chris Elliott fucked his uh, six armed wife. Like that sh- stuff should be fun. I and I I don't know why it, I I kind of blame the direction. I, like you know if they're going for amateurishness. I think they should have gone full force, like make this movie with a zero dollar budget and make that the joke.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how that would have worked on the other end of it, but I I feel like that would at least be something. You could at least point to that and say, this is the aesthetic. This is the through line. It's funny that they're trying to do something so ambitious with so little money, whereas you watch it here and it's like and just kind of like, oh, they clearly didn't have any money and, and couldn't get away with it. But it doesn't feel like a choice. It feels like you know they just had what they had and didn't have enough to make it work.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there. I mean, to the movie's credit, I, I liked the visuals. I liked like the the miniature stuff. But I like that because it felt like cheap and stupid. But the movie itself isn't going for cheap and stupid, even though I you know, like I said, it, it really should. Well, that's it. Should have yeah. just been totally cheap and stupid.
0: That because that's the weird thing to me. Because like I I grew up with, like, those shitty, like, straight-to-video full moon movies, like Shrunken Heads and Puppet Master and shit, you know, that's what I was driving on as a kid, and this feels very much in that mold I mean, this probably has a higher budget than any of those movies, but, like, that was, like, my standard, so to the extent that I have any nostalgia for, like, old-school practical special effects that's kind of where it comes from so, yeah, and, like, I would never watch a movie like this and go, oh, it's bad because the special effects are bad, that would intrigue me but that's why I'm kind of struggling with why, why it doesn't. Like I feel like I I should be li- even that, that. I'm saying like that's the only part I liked about it. I feel like I should even be liking that more than I do.
1: Yeah, the I, the, the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, hey, I'm not getting the the cult classic vibes, and I, that's what I wanted. I wanted this to be one of those movies where it's like,
0: uh, yeah, man, Cabin Boy was
1: fucking great, and people just didn't get it.
0: Everything surrounding this movie is like this is the perfect cult underrated movie like they like you th- it has to be right it's got to be secretly great just because of the circumstance. no it's not <laughs> there's a reason yeah. why it, it's forgotten and it should be forgotten
1: yeah yeah um but i w- watching that interview with the two of them kind of made me appreciate the movie a little more just hearing them talk about it and especially adam resnick like every single question he answered was uh pre-cursed with uh i i I failed. I'm sorry. This is my biggest failure. Like, I, I ruined Chris Elliott's career. He could have been a star, but it was it was all my fault. So, you know, they, they were very well aware that, you know, it, it wasn't as good as they had hoped it to be. But also, I don't know how good they expected it to be, because like I said, they, you know, basically said, like, we wrote a Tim Burton movie, and Tim Burton dropped out. But we didn't change the script at all.
0: I don't actually know much about Adam Resnick. What is he? Did he go on to anything significant after this?
1: Uh, he's an author. He's a writer mainly.
0: Oh, so he hasn't really done like more movies or TV. Movies. No, he's never.
1: They. He's never done another movie. Chris Elliott's never starred in another movie.
0: Yeah, Chris Elliott. I feel like it's sad because like he was kind of saved by the scary movie movies because he was in I think the second one. And like that kind of revitalized his career, and it's like, ah, oh, I wish something better would have revitalized your career.
1: Yeah, no, he's just made a kind of a career out of being like the fourth banana.
0: And he's right, done a lot yeah. of sitcoms. He, I think he, I think didn't he come on, or maybe I'm thinking of David Spade. Was he? Did he come on after John Ritter died on that one show?
1: No, I don't think he was on that one. Um, he was on like the last couple seasons of Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, maybe
0: that's what I'm thinking of.
1: He was on Shits Creek. So yeah, he's done a lot of sitcoms. And yeah, like he's the guy, in there's something about Mary. You know, he's Ben Stiller's friend.
0: And he's I just I love the guy's him as an friend. author as well.
1: Oh yeah, he's written some great books. Uh, Chris Elliott told a story of uh, when he was on the raft. That scene where he, they. They take him or they put him out on the raft to stand watch. I
0: was surrounded by grips who were just standing holding things, lights and stuff. Throughout
1: the day, even though yeah, yeah, they, they in their be wetsuits, be you
0: know they were just urinating in the water. <laughs> and we got to that point where I, I'm thirsty and have to drink seawater.
1: and, and then, we of and <laughs> I said to you, well, uh, what, what do we rate that for me to do that with? How are we going to do it? And, and I and I went to the producer and said, yeah, what does he spit? Where's the thing where that he and, and they couldn't figure they couldn't figure out how to do it. And well, at that, the end of the
0: day, it was... that had never come up in a production that meeting. Come, uh, that? Well, and you would just
1: think that would be basic, like how they do it. And finally, the the producer was just like. He's going to have to drink the water. I mean, <laughs> and yeah, you were, yeah. Uh, were guys standing right next to me that,
0: that had been there for like three hours. I know they had urinated. I could see, I could see gum on the, f- yeah, bottom of the. Yeah. I think the urine was the least of
1: it. I mean, that water was disgusting. Well, and it wasn't like different... a pool. It wasn't yeah. chlorinated. There no. wasn't. Yeah. You know, right. Wasn't, yeah. They just filled with a hose. It it filled right. with a hose. hose.
0: And then we oh. shot for three shot weeks. On. There. Yeah, they were in the same yeah. fucking
1: bathroom right. that these guys were standing in. So it's like a bird bath. Yeah, that's yeah. That's a, yeah, a bird bath. And to this day, you don't drink water anymore, right? No, I <laughs>
0: can't go near it. So you drank some piss and uh, the thing and the gummy. Well, I mean, we had to get the shot, and I I was just, all right, I'll just do it. I don't don't
1: know. All right. We need the shot. It's like, I just drank urine.
0: I feel like you could just do a cut, right? Like, he puts the (laughs) thing in the water, and then you cut to him drinking water that wasn't the thing that he put in the water.
1: You probably
0: like, that's yeah, a no, pretty it, pretty simple-ass solution that nobody came up with.
1: Yeah, no, it, well, hearing Adam Resnick talk about it, he was like, you know, when he was offered the movie to direct, he was like, I, I don't think I'm the the right guy to do this. And they were like, oh, no, well, we'll get people to help you. Like, you'll have a crew and, like, you know, an assistant director who knows what he's doing, you know. So this way it's your movie, but, you know, you'll be helped with the technical aspect. And he's like, I never got any assistance whatsoever. Like, we were filming this movie The actors were fun. The crew hated us, like, because we didn't know what we were doing. And they were just, you know, standing around throwing buckets of water at people.
0: And I do want to say that, like, you say, like, this is all Tim Burton's fault. I, at the same time, like, I kind of, I kind of defend Tim Burton on this because, A, if you have the choice, because I think Ed Wood was very much a passion project for him. Like, that was a story he'd wanted to tell for years. I get, like, okay, we set this up, this Cabin Boy movie, and I'm excited about it, but, I'm not going to pass up my fucking dream movie for Cabin Boy. And when he did make that decision, he was like, let me give like a brand new director, somebody who hasn't done a movie, let me, let me give him a chance to make his first movie. From his perspective, it was probably like, I'm doing this guy a favor. And, you know, maybe we'll get a good movie out of it, maybe not. But like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's a villain in this necessarily.
1: No, I'm not going to call him a villain, but like... <laughs> It's just kind of a fucked up situation. They're like, oh, Tim Burton wants us to... Because it was his idea. So they're like, okay, we're going to write a movie for Tim Burton. Like, they weren't writing a Chris Elliott movie. They were writing a collaboration. And then Tim Burton's like, I'm out. And they're like, well, we have a movie with giant floating cupcakes that we're not super passionate about making. Okay.
0: Well, you know, most people would think they were insane if they saw something like that. But luckily, I have an open mind about this sort of thing, and I'm not... I know what you're thinking. What could be
1: stranger than a big, fat-ass, floating cupcake? Hey, how about one that spits tobacco?
0: <laughs> 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 See you around, buddy. <laughs> That's a cute kid. Which, I, I mean, it's weird that, I guess, I don't know how late in the process he left that they had, like, no time to rewrite anything. Or if they didn't just say, like, well, we can't rewrite it, so let's just basically improv it. Let's just fuck around and try to come up with something that's more our speed, you know, on set. Because I feel like this is a movie where, like, they could have easily done that. They could have, worked around the stuff, like, the set pieces that you, like, the the fantasy shit you can't really improv, uh, you know. But everything else, you could have done something with it, you know.
1: Yeah, they could have, well, they talked about that, like, the script, you know, Tim Burton okayed the script, he's like, this is good, they had table reads where they, like, didn't change anything, because, like, everything worked on table reads, but then, you know, they filmed it, and then they had test screenings where, like, people were walking out in droves going, what the fuck is this?
0: That's, yeah, I, that would be the most uh, fascinating thing to me, is just how this was received I mean, obviously at the time it was not received well, but like, just like studio note, Like, what what were the studio notes on this movie? Did they bother? Or they were just like, fuck it. Let's just release it and get rid of it. You know, like, there's from, no way to fucking make it better.
1: Yeah, from how they were talking, it, they you know, it seemed like they had pretty much creative control over the project. I mean, I'm sure have, Tim Burton staying on as a producer gave them confidence, you know. Because I'm sure, I, especially around that time, it's like, Tim Burton made Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice doesn't work on paper. But, you know, Tim Burton makes it. And they are like, oh, yeah, it's a good movie. So I think that's probably what it was. They were like, oh, Tim Burton, you know, whatever. We don't get it, but it'll probably work.
0: Well, yeah, and it... Uh, by the way, have you ever looked into the backstory of Beetlejuice? Like, what the original script was? It's really fucking weird. Yeah. Like, it's completely different. Like, he's more of, like, a demon, and it's it's much darker... And like gorier, it was like almost closer to a horror movie. And then Tim Burton got it, basically just took the premise and rewrote everything.
1: Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, no, that movie seems purely
0: him. But yeah, like all the stuff in Cabin Boy that feels like possible studio meddling feels like at the conceptual level, like don't go too far. And then they worked within that rubric, and and then from there they were like, well, yeah, you can pretty much do whatever you want as far as making the thing. It doesn't feel like. Like, it doesn't feel like anything was reshot to to make it more palatable to an audience.
1: No, not at all. It, it was probably, you know, like I said, they slashed the budget, too. So, you know, they, they probably didn't take too big of a bath on it failing. Um, but, it, yeah, it was like not only commercially failed, but like critically scorned. Like people, you know, it was a punchline. Um, you know, well, I remember when David
0: Letterman and, hosted the Oscars, he made like a bunch oh, yeah. of Cabin Boy jokes.
1: Yeah, no, it was just a huge gag that it was a huge failure, shouldn't have been made, um, and kind of got lumped in with like bad, like poly Shore comedies, you know, like those kind of films, which it's really not, because um, so the critical failureness of it, like, it's at least interesting. It's an interesting failure.
0: Yeah, well, especially, and just watching it, like, because we, I think there are a couple of Pauly Shore movies we could watch, like Jury Duty, if, well, I think we couldn't find it, but, like...
1: Siobhan Fallon is in Jury Duty. You know,
0: I don't think, had we found Jury Duty and watched that this week, I don't think it would be nearly as interesting. It would just be a mediocre movie with Polly Shore in it that we were forced to watch, that we forced ourselves to watch. Let me say that.
1: Yeah. No, I think I, I I'm i much confused. I'm much more glad that I watched Cabin Boy today than if I had watched any Polly Shore film.
0: But yeah, but it's 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 one of those things where like we come to this podcast all the time like if only they'd done this it would have been so much better. We could restructure this. Like that's how our minds work. I got nothing for this. I have really no way. I think mostly because it is so much like it's 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 two competing voices that are so specific, Tim Burton and Chris Elliott. Working together and not really working together But I can't get in either of their heads Like, I I can't make this better I can't think of a way, like, if only you just tweak this, this, and this Then I would have loved it
1: Yeah, no, it's one of those situations where I either want to see Tim Burton's Cabin Boy Or I want to see Chris Elliott do not Cabin Boy
0: Yeah, and Especially Because I have
1: liked every single thing Chris Elliott has ever done ever done I've read all of his books I've seen all of his TV shows I've loved him I love him in fucking the scary movie 2 I will watch scary movie 2 if that comes up on the wheel because Chris Elliott's in it because I'll think he's funny in
0: it I don't want to watch scary movie 2
1: I don't want to watch that either we already watched scary Um,
0: movie 5 I think we're done (laughs)
1: No, I've, I've seen Scary Movie 2, specifically because fucking Chris Elliott's in it. I've watched movies because Chris Elliott's in it. The reason I haven't watched this movie since I was a kid is because I remember just not liking it as a kid. And if I didn't like it as a kid, I'm sure as hell not going to like it as an adult.
0: Well, I'm like wondering now, like, because we put that other, because there was a Chris Elliott movie that just came out with like he did with his whole family. I think it was like Clara's Ghost or something.
1: Yeah, we put that on there.
0: And it's like, I, I feel like I'm less excited to watch that now. Like, I was really intrigued by that. Like, really? The whole fucking Elliot clan made a movie about ghosts? I gotta see that shit. But, like, now I'm like, do I want to see that shit?
1: <laughs> mm. uh, what was the other show? Oh, yeah, and then uh, this movie basically killed all their careers. Chris Elliot told a story where, uh, like, a couple months after it came out, they had a meeting with Fox to pitch another sitcom and everybody in the room, all the executives were like, oh, that's so great, yeah, yeah, yeah We go, 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 and then by the time they got into the parking lot they got a call from an executive who wasn't in that room who said, we're not working with the cabin boy guys
0: (laughs) and I mean, and I can't blame them, honestly like, if that's the thing, like, to say, like, this killed their careers, and it like, we know that it shouldn't have killed their careers because we know how great they are but it should just based on how shitty it is like if yeah it, i wouldn't
1: i wouldn't give them another movie but a tv show
0: but like if like if this was the only thing they ever did and you didn't know that they also made get a life which is one of the most brilliant fucking sitcoms ever you'd be like no n- never again
1: yeah no i yeah i did. I, I don't want to see another <laughs> i don't want to see cabin boy 2
0: <sighs> and like there there are little things that like i'm like on paper like The fact that the giant guy is just, like, a businessman, like, he has a small business out of a cave and, like, comes home from work like a, you know, a dad in a sitcom, like, that's, like, I I should be laughing at that, that's a funny, quirky idea, you know, and he's just, like, a regular guy, but he's giant and lives on an island, and all the weird anachronisms, like, this is a world where, like, there's a limousine and, you know, like, a microwave, but there's also, like, pirate ships and monsters, like... I don't know, like, I just, I I keep going like, oh, there's something interesting here, but there isn't.
1: Yeah, no, if you describe this movie beat by beat, and just how, like, wacky the ideas are, I would be like, I want to see that film. When we were talking about it last week, I was like, yeah, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but, like, yeah, I remember, like, I remember giant Mike Starr chasing after him, I remember the Shark Man. I remembered all these weird little shits about it. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to see that movie. That movie's got to be crazy as hell.
0: Now, can I remember the fancy lad thing? Because I remember that was like, I remember that as being hilarious. Oh, he's a fancy lad. Was that something he took from like, was that like from a book he did or something?
1: Fancy lad? Yeah. I don't know, I don't think, I don't know. I
0: vaguely remember that. For, I, I think that was from something independent of Cabin Boy that he brought either brought to Cabin Boy or used later on. But, like, even that was like, I was waiting for, like, a lot of fucking funny-ass Fancy Lad jokes. <laughs> and none of it came.
1: Yeah. Uh, Alright, I guess we could talk about the, the actual plot of this thing.
0: Well, so... such, we basically did. It's just a bunch of weird fantasy bullshit. They're on a ship... They go to an island. He fucks a lady, a blue lady, and then he go he goes home. And then he goes back to the ship. That's the that's the movie.
1: Yeah, it's very episodic. It, uh, Chris Elliot plays a fancy lad who gets on the wrong boat. He's supposed to go on the Queen Catherine to Hawaii to take over his father's hotel business, but he ends up on a fisherman boat with a bunch of gruff, salty fishermen. Uh, and then he gets them to change course to Hawaii, and then they end up in Hell's Bucket, where a bunch of crazy shit happens. But the ending of this movie, I want to talk about, because it just, it, the movie just fucking ends. Like, it's just like, it goodbye. It's over. They, uh, the, I guess the climactic thing is, um, the, the scene with Mike Starr, they kill a giant, and then like the next scene, they're in Hawaii. He has a scene with his dad, Bob Elliott, and he goes, uh, to the girl he's been romancing the whole movie and goes, I love you. And then it's just it. It's just over. The movie's just cut to credits.
0: Well, I, I'm i not sure about what I'm about to say, but I think that the structure of this story is referencing like a classic novel structure from like the Moby Dick era of novels where it's like the uh, the the weakling goes on an adventure and comes back as a man. Like that that was a thing in these kind of like you know, like, sea shanty novels. I think that's what they're referencing. Sort of like, you know, you know, that Woody Allen movie where it's, like, all, like, references to Russian literature and shit? I feel like it's kind of something like that, like, Chris Elliott's version of that. Like, that was the pitch. Like, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's a fan of that or was. Because I think, one of, I never read it, but one of his books, the the Thwacker one.
1: the yeah, Shroud of the Thwacker.
0: Isn't that sort of similar in, in terms of, like, referencing kind of old shit like that?
1: Uh, it's been a while since I read that one. That one's about I think he goes back in time and uh finds Jack the Ripper.
0: Oh, maybe it's I just I I, I just kinda got the feeling that maybe he was a fan of or at least trying to reference a specific kind of literary structure with this. And, and just, it, but like the, the, the shallowness of that is the problem. It's like, he, he's not a real, in the context of this movie, he's not a character. So the fact that he has an arc and becomes a man, he's a fancy lad and becomes a man. Like you're not invested in that emotionally. So by the time it ends and he decides to go back to the ship, it's not like a triumphant moment where you're like, yeah, that really came full circle and I appreciated the journey. It's just a shitty fucking ending.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and then I, they they talked about this in the interview too. Um, one of the one of the notes they got back from test screenings is that the main character was unlikable and they could not uh, identify with him, and they did not want to see him succeed.
0: <laughs>
1: and I think a lot of that is the accent, which Chris Elliott also said was a mistake. I, and I think it would have been funnier if he was just kind of anachronistic, out of place.
0: That and honestly, if he did fail, like if if it wasn't about him as a because such as it is, he is the hero of the movie. He has a hero's journey sort of setup, you know, where he's supposed to evolve and, and become a man. If they didn't bother with that and he was just a fucking asshole and he got his comeuppance at the end, I think it probably would have worked better.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I think this movie kind of follows the plot of captain's courageous, which was a Spencer Tracy movie of the thirties about a young boy on a fishing boat. And he kind of learns life from the fishermen's and yeah, it's a, you know, boy-turning-into-a-man story. Uh, I think he should have fucked the six-armed woman, like, halfway through the movie.
0: Yeah, but not learned any lesson from it or anything.
1: (laughs) Maybe, yeah, that would have worked, too. But, yeah, the way it happens is uh, he falls in love with uh, this lady he finds just swimming. She's trying to uh, break a swimming record. Uh, He pulls her on the boat. He's, like, obsessed with her, but she wants nothing to do with him. But then he... F- fucks this monster woman, he becomes a man. I liked that scene, you know, where he comes out of the cave, these pipes are clean.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would, I do want to say, though, we've had a lot of lazy love interests in movies. This has got to be the fucking laziest.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think it's almost comically so. Because um, he fucks that that monster, and he becomes a man in that sense, and then he... I did like when he comes back to her and he's uh, completely changed. Now he's, he's no longer talking in the accent. He's talking like a fucking romance novel main character. And she's completely into it now. She's like, wow, you're so confident. I love you. Like, I think that's supposed to be a joke.
0: Yeah, but I don't, I don't think the inclusion of the character is on purpose as a joke like that though. I, I totally believe that they had this concept without that kind of character and more jokes and the studio went, well, she, he's got to have a love interest, right? Like he's got to fall in love and, and she's got to make him a better man or some shit. And like, this was their version of dealing with that note.
1: Yeah. Possibly. Um, but yeah, but then once that happens, the movie's just over, uh, you know, he, he fucks the monster, he gets the girl and then the monster is married to Mike Starr, Who's a giant, uh, what is it, salesman? I guess he, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He owns, like, an appliance store in the side of the mountain. Which, yeah, is funny. He comes after him. They're saved by Russ Tamblyn, a, sh- uh, a shark man. And then they just... they. I, I don't... Did, did, was there a scene where they figured out how to get out of Hell's Bucket? I think they just get out. They're just like, okay, well, the we did it. Bye.
0: Yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, that's...
1: I'm pretty sure that's how the movie ends. They kill Mike Starr, and they're like, oh... I guess now we're out of the Bermuda Triangle that we've been stuck in the whole movie. They just... It's a hard cut to them drinking daiquiris on the beach in Hawaii. And then he just... uh, He rides his swimming girlfriend out to the boat and joins his uh, fisherman buddies again.
0: Yeah, no, that's... Well, I think at the beginning, they kind of set it up like... We're in hell's bucket. It's dangerous, but as long as we get to that island, like I think they establish, like that's kind of the end of it. But they they kind of obliquely reference there's something on that island that, that's scaring for them, and I guess that was the giant. I they didn't really establish like why they would have been scared of the island.
1: Oh, okay. So maybe when they kill the giant, the curse is lifted.
0: Maybe I mean I don't want to don't give know. the movie any more credit <laughs> than it deserves <laughs> in terms of its structural integrity, but uh, yeah. But I don't. know. I mean it's. Yeah, it's, 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 it, I don't think I was even as bummed out about it afterwards as I am now talking about it. Just how, like, it's it's like, to it's, it's not even have that stuff, because I, I was trying to think, like, thinking about Adult Swim. Like, maybe if this was, like, an Adult Swim show, you know, and it was, like, so, like, the episodic nature of it maybe worked more for it, and it was just, like, a wacky fantasy thing where Chris Elliott could do what he wanted to do. You could have one episode with the shark man, one episode with the giant and the fucking lady. You know, you could do different things. Maybe, but even then, it's like... I, I don't even have the energy to, like, try to figure out if this could be good, because that's how much I don't give a shit.
1: Yeah, kind of like a Chris Elliott Swiss Family Robinson or something. I would I would like anything with Chris Elliott, except 1994's Cabin Boy. Yeah, I, I, I'm right in line with the critical consensus.
0: Yeah, I just... I got nothing for this. It's just... Because I was thinking, like, remember when they made Spaceballs into, like, a cartoon? I mean, not to say that that was good, and I'm not even a big fan of Spaceballs, but, like, something like that where, like, I don't know, you can kind of go crazier with the the fantasy elements, and, you know, you don't need a budget. But even then, it's like, I don't care enough.
1: (gasps) Yeah, no, this this was a bummer. It was a bummer and a disappointment. Um, I didn't like how Andy Richter died.
0: I didn't like anything about Andy Richter's inclusion in this movie. I mean, I like Andy Richter as a comedic performer. Uh, I'm glad that he got work, I guess. But, like, he's basically a mentally challenged guy, and and so much of the humor surrounding his character is about that. That's not cool.
1: Yeah, he's almost too stupid, like, which shouldn't be a thing in a comedy, but he's almost too stupid, and then when he dies, it's just like, oh, they... Killed, like, I, I kind of wanted that character to save the day at the end or something or have the idea to to, to win or something. I, I don't know. When he died, I was like, I, I don't like that he died. And then the gruff fishermen, when they're chasing after Mike Starr's giant monster. They get saved. And I'm like, they could have killed all these gruff fishermen who've been treating him like shit the whole movie. Why'd they kill poor little uh, innocent Andy Richter?
0: See, and that's the thing. If the world of the movie was more cynical, like you talk about the this test audience is like not wanting him to win. If that was sort of the point, like the bad guys win and the good guys die, that would be something. But no, it's like it, it's you like the Andy Richter character is established as a, a essentially innocent simpleton, and then just gets punished for it, I guess. And then all the people that should be punished for their behavior are rewarded. And, and and but not in a universe where that's the cynical joke, but just like we're, I guess we were supposed to like them and not necessarily have a problem with the fact that the one likable character was killed off.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I just it's a, it, was a, it was a bummer to watch. Uh, I I wanted it. I really wanted it to be the cult classic that I I wanted it to be, but sadly, Cabin Boy, not so good.
0: And I, going back to the fantasy elements one more time, they're so, like, pointless. Like, for prof- like everything is pointless, I guess, because there's not really a plot to this movie. But, like, it just sort of comes out of... No- like, for, like the first, like, 20, 30 minutes, there's no indication that there's anything supernatural in the movie. And then just all of a sudden the clouds have faces. And then, oh, yeah, now it's just a p- bunch of fantasy shit. It's like there's no through line of, like, you know... Not even, like, a reference to, like, you can't go out sailing into the sea because there's monsters out there. Like, it's just, like, all of a sudden, like, yeah, I guess there's fucking monsters.
1: Well, I think that all starts when they get to, uh, what's it called? The, not the, I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, the Devil's Triangle or whatever. Hell's Bucket. I think all the, the weird fantasy shit starts there. So I think that's where you can kind of make the connection of, we're not. We're no longer in the real world now. We're in a fantasy world now.
0: I, but it's just I would. I don't know. Maybe I would have preferred. <sighs> I was about to suggest that, like, this was the antecedent to the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, like you know, where there's more of a world of magical adventure, you know, as if they fucking ripped off Cabin Boy. But I don't know, mm-hmm. something like that. I don't. It was just you got that sense from the beginning that this was more off kilter. But then again. When it gets there, it's not rewarding anyway, so I guess why bother setting it up?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I, mean, like I said, I, I liked some of the visuals for their chintziness, but I kind of wish they weren't in there. I kind of wish it was more of just a grounded comedy of Chris Elliott annoying a bunch of pirates, because um, there's a great episode of Get a Life called uh, uh, with Construction Workers, where uh, I think they're remodeling his house or something and he's just enamored with all the gruff construction workers and wants to be them I, that's kind of what i wanted from here you know it you know captain's courageous but with chris elliott
0: and you know it's also like you mentioned captain courageous as the inspiration just the sort of the pirate high fantasy stuff i wonder how much of it is that because like like i've never seen that woody allen russian uh, literature movie uh, I don't even remember what it's called, but uh, love and death. That's a love good one. and death. But like, I don't know that I would enjoy that, even if it was funny, independent of the fact that I don't understand any of the literary references. I think that would bog me down, and like, I don't understand the literary references to Captain Courageous. Whereas, like, I probably enjoy Sleeper more because it's sci-fi and I'm a big sci-fi nerd. Like, maybe if this were just in a setting that I liked more than pirates, I would probably get more out of it.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're missing any connective tissue.
0: I, well, no, it's not that I'm missing anything that's there. I'm just the stuff that's there isn't even appealing to like isn't even appealing to me. If the jokes were funnier, you know, yeah. the set, the setting is is just inherently boring to me.
1: Yeah, uh, I I agree. Sadly, um, yeah, I just like I said, don't watch Cabin Boy. But if you can watch, if you can track down the interview with Adam Resnick and Chris Elliott on YouTube where they talk about Cabin Boy, that was fun because I did like. Chris Elliott was like, well, maybe Tim Burton would like a giant floating cupcake. Let's put that in the movie.
0: And it's kind of weird because like if it didn't kill the career of somebody I legitimately love, I might say like, oh, it's I'm glad this exists because it's weird enough as a curiosity, you know, whether or not you want to actually sit down and watch it, like just the idea that they would make a movie like this. But the, the 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 toll of it, the fact that we didn't get more better Chris Elliott movies because of this, makes this movie just that much more of a bummer. Like, I don't want it to exist. If you could, like, erase a movie and its effect on the industry from history, like, this might be the movie that I would erase, just to give Chris Elliott a better chance at, you know, movie stardom. That's true. Uh,
1: this movie also, this movie was nominated for uh, Razzies, <laughs> but was not the most critically derided movie of 1994. We have already watched the most critically derided movie of 1994. That's Rob Reiner's North. Which... Would you like better, North or
0: Cabin fucking Boy? Fucking North is way better, and I I have never understood, and I think we probably talked about this on that podcast, never understood the, the critical reviling of North. I'm not saying it's a great movie, but it is. it was far from the worst movie of that year.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you could watch North and go, like, this is a fucking a a scourge on, on humanity.
0: And anybody that watched both North and cabin boy and was like, North is the worst movie of the year. Like if those were the only two movies you watched and that was your conclusion, then you shouldn't be fucking reviewing movies.
1: Well, as I was looking at the Razzie uh, nominees for 1994, there was one movie that I scoured the IMDb cast and crew to see if there was anyone SNL related. Uh, what would you think about putting Car Fifty Four? Where are
0: you on the uh, on the wheel? Uh, uh, you know what? I mean, I'm not, actually I, I sound worse about it than I am because I would actually be somewhat interested in it because uh, well, I go see visit our dad once a week, and uh, we actually watch Car Fifty Four usually because he has it on YouTube. Like I guess all the episodes are on YouTube, and a lot of times we'll put one on. And I, I've never actually seen the movie. I'd be kind of interested in, in making the comparison.
1: Uh, the movie's supposed to be terrible. It was originally supposed to be a musical, but then bad test screenings, screenings caused them to cut out all of the songs.
0: That makes me even more intrigued because we've already watched a movie like that with uh, I'll Do Anything.
1: I'll Do Anything. Uh, and it stars Buster Poindexter.
0: And that, well, that's... I don't know if that's the most interesting thing, but I've always been intrigued with that as well because I don't think he ever... Had another leading role in. A, I know he'd been in other movies like Scrooged, and he. I think he's in one of the Hulk Hogan movies.
1: Uh, Mr. Nanny. Yeah,
0: but I, he never. I think that was the only thing he ever starred in, from my from my understanding. Yeah, no, he was. He was not an actor. <laughs> Why would you put Buster Poindexter in a movie? Uh, so yeah, I would be up for that as a cheat pick, not necessarily uh, for next week, but put it on the wheel.
1: Yeah, but I'll put it on the wheel because yeah, I've, I, uh, I caught it on cable a long, long time ago and, uh, you know, of course I was stoned when I was watching it, but I remember it making absolutely no sense whatsoever. Oh, one other one I wanted to... And then I found out that it was a musical that they cut all the
0: songs out of. Yeah, that, well, just that alone makes it worthy to me because it's like, just seeing how they would have edited that together, I mean, that was why we watched Do- Well, that and an SNL person I think it was Harry Shearer, right?
1: Harry Shears and I'll do
0: anything. Uh, but like the the draw of that was how how did this movie actually turn out? Um so I would definitely be interested in that, but I, I also wanted to throw out this may be on there. I just wanted to make sure cuz we talked about Silence of the Hams is is on the list. Did you yes. did you put Fatal Instinct on there as well? No. I I saw I saw a clip of that where Armand Asante was like fucking doing the bongo drums on uh, Sean Young's ass and I'm just like I feel like this needs to be A, a podcast movie
1: I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the In the pile uh, I remember not liking that one But that's a Carl Reiner movie too
0: But just to, I mean I, I always lump that in With Silence of the Hams I feel like they came out Around the same time They were both like Parodies of the thrillers Of the 90s Yeah So I, And I've always been Kind of intrigued To watch that as well
1: Yeah uh, Alright I'll consider that well speaking of which we've been hemming and hawing about Cabin Boy <laughs> for long enough uh, anything else to say before I spin this wheel and see what we're watching next week
0: Now, nah, this was all this was all bad the effect of it was bad the movie itself was bad the ramifications for the careers of the people involved who I, I love was bad this was this was maybe more I mean it's not the worst movie we've watched but there's more bad associated with this movie than I think anything else we've watched
1: yeah, no, it's, like I said, it was just a bummer to watch because I wanted it to be to be great. Um, but yeah, I didn't hate watching it, but probably because I saw that it was an hour and 20 minutes. And then by the time I got 45 minutes in, I was like, well, might as well finish it and see what else is up.
0: Once you realize what you're in for. Yeah, it's not like miserable. And, you know, you mentioned Monkey Bone at the beginning of this. I kind of put it in the same. I mean, I probably enjoyed Monkey Bone more because there was more of that weird shit that I liked. But I feel like it's kind of that level where it's like, if you look at it just like as a weird art piece, maybe that's enough. Or maybe not.
1: Oh, no, I thought you had more to that sentence.
0: <laughs> no, I have, I have nothing else to say about Cabin Boy for the rest of my life.
1: <laughs> no, like I said, it's, it's a kind of an interesting failure to watch, but not an entertaining one. All right, so let's spin this wheel, see what we're in for next week. I got a wheel with options of movies, SNL episodes, SNL recurring characters, and I landed on the Bill Murray episode from Season 7 of Saturday Night Live, where uh, the, uh, there was a fake Russian invasion. So, in the middle of the episode, NBC News broke out saying World War Three was declared.
0: Wait, you mean in real life?
1: Yes, in real life.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say that makes it more interesting then. I thought you meant like that was a running joke in the show.
1: No. The, the actual NBC News cut in and said uh, Russia has invaded Poland and they preempted a sketch where uh, a Michael O'Donohue sketch where the whole premise of the sketch was Bill Murray being excited for World War Three. <laughs> so it's like real bad timing. And I think if you watch it on Peacock, they keep that in. It's kind of like... Yeah, it was kind of fucked up when people were watching at home going, oh, shit, Russia invaded Poland. And then they cut to the middle of a sketch where Bill Murray's like,
0: World War Three's is coming, baby. I mean, I'm more and more interested in it as you're explaining that. At the same time, I just after Cabin Boy, I don't know that I have an interest in... I don't know if I have the strength for just another. Because I'm assuming, apart from that curiosity, we we ran into this problem very recently with the fucking fuck episode of SNL. Apart from that, it's just another mediocre episode of fucking SNL. Uh,
1: I don't know. Well, this it was the last episode that Michael O'Donoghue he was involved in. Uh, he was fire, It was he was fired over the Christmas break. All right, I just spun uh, a movie written by an SNL cast member, Casey Wilson wrote the film Bride Wars, starring Kate Hudson and Anne Hathaway. Wow. Any interest in Bride Wars? Fuck
0: you. Like, I I just, like, I'm, I'm seeing you, like, make this fucking wheel. And you're like, what if Bride Wars is on the goddamn wheel? What the fuck is your problem?
1: I don't know. I remember seeing that and going, oh, Bride Wars.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Because here, here was my thinking going into you spinning that that wheel again. I was very much talking myself out of Bill Murray because I just didn't want to watch an episode. And I was like, I want a movie, and I want either, I want a movie that was what I wanted Cabin Boy to be, like a hidden treasure, or just something that makes me like movies again.
1: <laughs> well, uh, do you think Roberto Benigni's Pinocchio
0: will do No, that? fuck you, spin again! Okay. <laughs>
1: You watch Roberto Benigni's Pinocchio oh,
0: let's watch fucking Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas
1: a movie I oh Jay Moore is on the poster a movie called Pa Parazzi P-A-W Parazzi
0: I'm just never gonna see the light here am I I'm just never <laughs> this is never gonna end I, well for
1: me I know nothing about <laughs> Paw Parazzi I mean I know it's,
0: it's, it's probably a fucking talking dog movie or a or like the worst one what should be a talking dog movie but the dogs don't talk it's one of those two
1: probably uh or uh, this is a cheat pick i don't think anybody snl related is in gone fishing starring joe pesci and danny glover and i don't remember why we put that on the wheel in the first
0: place and here we're in the danger zone again because that's like much like cabin boy like well i mean that's gotta be like a so bad it's good movie like that's gotta be like epically bad in a way that will be really fun right Right, and then it turns out to just be mediocre. I'm I'm totally willing to experiment and try Gone Fishing, but what I'm saying is, if it doesn't pan out, if it's just another mediocre bad movie that's not fun bad, I might fucking kill myself.
1: Alright, let's let's keep Gone Fishing as an option. Uh, Mr. Saturday night starring Billy Crystal. Keep spinning. Yeah, I'm not into that. Um, it's okay.
0: I want something that's like self-evidently like, yeah, let's fucking watch that shit.
1: Uh, Air America, starring Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr.
0: Uh, Again, I mean, even if it's good, it's not going to be interesting good.
1: Yeah, I'd rather watch Gone Fishing over that one.
0: So far, Gone Fishing is at the top of the list.
1: (laughs) No, Gone Fishing does not have an SNL cast member. Uh, Fools Rush In, starring Matthew Perry and Salma Hayek.
0: I feel like we need one more spin, and if it doesn't pan out, we retire the wheel forever. Because <laughs> this shit is just bumming me out more than know uh,
1: This was a fun way to pick stuff for a while, but uh, as a hey, taking care of business. All right. That's my choice.
0: So, okay. Oh, between, because I'm, I'm good with that. Between taking care of business and gone fishing.
1: Uh, I'd rather watch Taking Care of Business. I
0: mean, I'm up for either one. They're kind of equal in my mind, so I'd say let's go to... We, we did establish we were able to fi- find it now, because right? I think that's why we didn't watch it before.
1: Yes, I, I have found it, but I have not watched it. I loved that movie as a kid, but I'm pretty sure I only loved it because it had a baseball scene in it <laughs> where they went to Wrigley Field and watched a baseball game. Jim Belushi plays a... I think he's a thief who steals Charles Grogan's wallet and then somehow they switch identities.
0: Wasn't that also the plot of fucking uh, Couch Trip? Uh,
1: Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs>
0: what the fuck's that about? Why did they need two, so, s- two, two bites at that apple?
1: It's never failed us before.
0: All right. Uh, this isn't also a Michael Ritchie film, is it?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know who directed Taking Care of Business. Uh, taking Care of Business uh, I, I like that I've been wanting to watch Taking Care of Business for a while
0: I mean look I'm going to say this without checking it Against my own memory or against the show, show. I'm just going to throw it out here I don't think Jim Belushi's ever steered us wrong I don't think we've ever had a bad experience With the Jim Belushi movie uh, Have we
1: watched Homer and Eddie?
0: Yeah but no that was great That was bad but that was great
1: <laughs> I know it was an interesting movie to watch
0: uh, Mr. Destiny was interesting.
1: Uh, Curly Sue.
0: Okay, yeah, Curly Sue wasn't great.
1: Oh, but yeah, uh, Jim Belushi is also in Roberto Beniti's Pinocchio. That's why that's on the list.
0: Oh, ugh. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I feel like I dismissed that out of hand, but we kind of should watch it because, like, we could talk about, we could, you could also watch the Tom Hanks Pinocchio that just came out, and I think the Guillermo del Toro one's coming out, like, maybe this week or next week somewhere. Like, it's a Pinocchio era at this point, so...
1: That's true. It would be it would be a timely movie for us to watch. Well, Jim Belushi has also brought us uh, brought us to Snow Dogs, starring Cuba Gooding Jr.,
0: which was un- uh, emphatically great.
1: <laughs> uh, not a good movie. Fun podcast. Uh, Jingle all the way. Not a fun movie. I remember enjoying talking about that. Real Men, which is a fucking classic movie, uh, and we have not yet touched the Canine series, which one day we need to watch Canine. And
0: I've I've brought this up before. I want to do a marathon. Like, when we get the canine movies, I just want to get them all out of, the, out of the way. Do all... I think there's like four of them. Three. Three. I want to do the entire canine trilogy. Not 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 now, but like when we get one of them, we just commit to doing all three in a row.
1: No, yeah, I'd be up for that. Um, but not next week. Next week, for Mr. Jim Belushi, we are watching 1990's Taking Care of Business starring Jim Belushi and Charles Grove yeah. And I will say Jim Belushi... Yeah, I I, I like I know like the we are, we are a
0: pro Jim Belushi podcast. Real Men, coincidentally enough, that's the caliber of movie I wanted Cabin Boy to be.
1: Yeah, I I, I wanted some, I wanted it crazy. I wanted it silly. I wanted it. I wanted it to go. Holy shit! I can't believe I'm watching this. I can't believe they made this.
0: Because I would say I think Real Men was like the closest we came to like a dead heat level of like how the fuck have I never watched this great movie? Like that's yeah. you know. The closest we ever came after that. Not to say that it was to the same level, but...
1: Uh, yeah, a movie that no one's ever heard of that is, like, emphatically good. I would say Hot to Trot, maybe. Fuck. Is probably the second
0: Fuck closest. you. No, Pumpkin was the second closest yeah. after that.
1: I mean, maybe Boat Trip. <laughs> uh, all right, well, that's enough about Cabin Boy. Until we see you next week for what is sure to be the greatest episode of all time.
0: I'm hope against hope, because otherwise I'm, I'm not doing very good here. Right. Get, get off get the,
1: the shit!